Another chorus we sing, Lord, Jesus, Jesus. How lovely you are, Lord, and how much we love you this morning. Heavenly Father, God, that you will come and awaken our desires, Lord, to love you more, to serve you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to grip a hold of people's hearts and lives, those that are the redeemable, those that are the chosen of God. Lord, we do not look to the world, for this world is indeed growing strangely dim. But Lord, as we see you high and lifted up in all your glory, Lord God, would you be glorified this morning through the sacrifice of our praise, that we could glorify you, the King of glory, for you're worthy of all honor and praise. Father, we love you with a great love, for as the scripture declares... He that's been forgiven much loveth much. And we love you much, Lord Jesus. So, Father, we commit the service to you, asking you to have your divine will, way, and quicken our hearts to the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Nice to see you this morning, last service of Sunday morning of 2018. Thinking back over the year, and of course we'll be having a service tomorrow evening, of how great God has been this year. How marvelous He's done great things within our lives. And we have so much to be thankful for. And we're thankful for those that are visiting here this morning. We have families that are actually away. And it seems when somebody goes, somebody comes. So Brother Tim has his uh, portion of his family here. Stephen, God bless you, your wife and children. Brother Andrew, I saw him on a camera. He was supposed to be back there somewhere. There you are. Okay. And his wife and family, God bless you. We welcome you. It's nice to have you. Also, another special uh, guest are here, Sister Jenna's mom and dad. God bless you. Nice to see you. I haven't seen you for a long time, but it's nice to have you in the house of the Lord. And God bless you. And enjoy your family. We do. We love your daughter. We love your son-in-law. Their children, your grandchildren have been a blessing to the church. So we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Tomorrow night at 9 o'clock is our watch night service. It will be a very special evening. Looking forward to that. And uh, we won't try and run it over too much past midnight. I know the church is getting a little bit older. But we do have some young people here that will probably stay longer. All right, let's turn to John chapter 7, verse 37. I'm going to maybe touch on a subject this morning, if you can help me. I'm going to probably do a right-hand turn somewhere between uh, the middle of the service. So put your seatbelts on so you don't slide across the bench. I'd like to speak a little bit about, and and it's just a little little title, but we'll try and dig into it as we go along the way. And um, I want you to look back. I want you to think and, and remember everything, everything you went through 
this year, past years, anything you go through in the future, you can say this little title, it's all for the best. It's never for the worst, for the elect. Everything you go through is for the what? I want you to say it. Everything. It doesn't matter what trial, what tribulation, you can rejoice and know it's for the best. Is everybody on the same page? Can everybody say amen? amen. Everything that we go for, through, and don't look at me sad. Look at me with a smile on your face and say that's nothing but the truth, preacher. Because we're going to take scripture. And you can't argue with scripture. You might argue with me, but you can't argue with scripture. You can't argue with the quotes. So now we're going to go into the word. And if I do some quotations, and I think I used the word a couple of years ago, quotatious. I'm going to be a little bit quotatious this morning. But it's a tremendous message. And, and I thought if we would like to move the church higher, number one, you read your Bible every day. You pray every day. That will move you higher. You want to go in revelation higher. I, I just thought I'd challenge you. Take Christ the mystery. God revealed. Read it five times. Don't, you see, because the first time you read it, you probably, you're just going to read it. Second time you read it, I want you to say, Lord, inspire me as I read it. The third time you might get what you're supposed to get. The fourth time, let it be anchored. And the fifth time, you'll be in glory land way. And this church would not be the same. You say, is it that powerful? It's more powerful than you can even imagine. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge. Because every time I've read it, and I, I, I don't want to over-exaggerate, but I'm sure I'm into the hundreds of times. Every time I read it, I scold myself. Because I said, I haven't read this. It's too rich. It's alive. And it's the kernel and the essence of the message. And it's powerful. So if I should read it, I'll read some quotes. I, I, I don't want you to fall asleep. I want you to be on your edge of your seat. Because we say a prophet has come. If that's indeed true, then a prophet is the conduit that God uses to speak to us. So it's not filler. It's the thought of God. And if you catch the thought of God, and you're walking in the thought of God, and it's the word of God, you will live a holy life. I believe in holiness. I know that's, that's, a, that's a subject maybe some young people don't know about, but you need to know. He's a holy God, and He loves us holy people. Because the Bible says without holiness, you won't see God. You say, well, how do I get holiness? Get the holy God in you. As Brother Bram said, it's not the holy mountain. It's the holy God on the mountain. It's not a holy people. It's the holy God in the people. And if you don't have God, if you don't have this great mystery that God's been revealing, you've just got an idea of the message. We don't want an idea of the message. We want the message, which is Christ. Did everybody say amen? amen. So if you got Christ, you'll act right. You'll talk right. Your behavior will be white. It's not just coming into church and be some young people and, and then out of, out of your mouth comes a profane language. 
You haven't even been born again. And I want you to know that. You cannot speak evil when you've got a holy God in your vessel. So I want you to know that anybody that speaks unclean language, you've not had an experience yet. It's not saying that you won't, but you aren't born again. There, there, that was all free. John 7 and 37. In the last day. Can you say this day? Sure. In the last day. We believe we're in the wind up. We believe that we are in the rapture. For the Lord himself shall descend with a shout. And with the voice. And with the trump of God. Is that true? We're in the last day. That great day of the feast. When seven seals have been opened. We've been feeding from the very table of God. In the great day of the feast. Jesus cried and said. If any man. Can I say woman also. Thirst. Let him come unto me. And what? Drink. There's the key part. You can thirst, but people don't drink. I say, if you're thirsty this morning, why don't you raise your cup? As you've already saying, here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. How appropriate was the song this morning. He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said out of his what? Belly shall flow rivers. Of living water. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may have your seats. While you're seating, if you wouldn't mind turning, please, to Ephesians 1. People have thirst. People have thirst. But their thirst is only so deep. But the seed of God, or the elect of God, or the chosen of God, have a thirst that surpasses anything the world has. Brother Bram talked about the different ones coming in the Exodus hour and staying on this side of Jordan. He said that's all their deep was calling for. But my deep is calling for another deep is to go into that land. So people have certain depths or deeps that they're desiring. And you know, he just said at one place, I believe it was as I was with Moses. He said, just leave them alone. That's all their deep is calling for. Leave them alone. But my deep is calling for a land beyond the river that we call the sweet forever. That's where my deep is calling. I wonder where your deep is calling for. I wonder what it is. I'm not questioning it. I'm asking. I wonder what it's calling for. Ephesians 1, chapter 4. Ephesians 1, chapter 4. Ephesians 1. I'm sorry. Ephesians 1, verse 4. Thank you, Brother Ed. Thank you. The Bible says here, according as he had chosen us, in him before the foundation of the world, we should be 
holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. So God has a purpose in himself. God's purpose. And we want to know what God's purpose is. God has a purpose. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. Verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. God has a purpose and there's nothing going to stop the purpose of God to manifest. No unbelief is going to stop him. No devil is going to stop him. No spirit, no Laodicean demon, nothing's going to stop him. He's got a will. We want to look at the will of God this morning. What is his will? What is his will? In whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. Now, I'd like you to take a little look at this word worketh all things worketh all things this is we're talking about god here we're not talking about church or a person we're talking about god worketh all things is everybody here is there anybody here that doesn't love the lord so we're here because we love the lord and we want to know what the lord thinks about us right all right so now he worketh all things after the counsel of his will. So everything we do or happens to you is for your betterment. I, I love seeing most actually move because that tells me it's, it's landing some, on some ground here. Okay. So now he worketh all things. Everybody understand the word worketh now. Worketh. We'll take a little bit of a look at, at, at the Greek on this. So when God works anything, that means there's an energy that comes with God. It's an energio, an energy. It's English word gets the name energetic. So God is energetic towards his will. Now we've got, we've had some energetic children within this assembly. And we always ask the question, where do they get this energy? But at the end of the day, when you're driving them home, they pass out in the back seat. Because their energy only has a limit. They got a pile of energy until a point, and they pass out. We pass out earlier. Mine's about 8 o'clock. But there's a, and, and we call it an energy level. 
But God has no level. He's God. He's omnipotent. He's almighty. We're talking about God. And, and, and we, we have churches and we have groups of people and we get little doctrines and we get ideas and we form it like that and we say this is what God is. Uh, excuse me. We are just gray matter. A little bit of gray matter, a little bit of gray matter and a whole lot of dust. And we got God figured out. That's a scary thought. It's a scary thought when people say they got a definitive revelation of something. When God's all-knowing in all things and we haven't even scratched the surface. So he worketh all things to the counsel of his will. That means he has an energy and it's effective to cause that which he wills to happen. A lot of times we all have, as we get older, I'm going to go do this and I have the energy to do it. But you, you don't have the same energy as you were when you're 20 or 25 or 30. It, it peters out. And the project that you had that would normally take a week now takes two months. But eventually you might get there. Some of us have projects we're still working on. Where did that energy go? But when God puts his mind to the will, his will, and God desires now his will to be performed... There's nothing's going to stop that energy because it's a full omnipotent force. And and, and that's why you, you can look at your problem and say, really, really, do you know who my father is? Hello, everybody in the balcony. Do you know who your father is? If you know that your heavenly father watches over you, you tell me. Being an earthly father wanting to give good gifts to our children. Wouldn't our heavenly father want the best for us? And everybody blames God for every trial you got. Why don't we blame the devil and say God brings us out of the trial? Half the time our body's breaking down and we blame, we blame somebody. Because we got a sore back or we're overweight. You did your own overweight business. You're your own problem. I know what I'm talking about. But we want to blame somebody. Listen, I want to thank God that everything that I have needed in life, he has poured out back. It might not be when you want it, but it's when he wants to give it. That it comes on the scene. So he worketh all things. It means that he's got an energy. To move it. To make it happen. It means a power of God in exercise. Are you listening now? It's an an exercise. The part that it blows my mind. Is this is the part. That I don't have to add to it. It's a part of the meaning to it. It's a superhuman power. So if God is going to work his will, you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And you actually let God have his way, then it will be a superhuman power that will happen in your life to conquer your situation. But the problem of it is we don't let God have his way. We want to do it our way. 
And we have to break our own will to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Is everybody okay with that? I, I, you know, I look at these young ladies here. It's, it's not your will. I, I want to get married. That, that's a desire that comes within you. But Lord, I don't want XYZ to be my husband if it's not your will. I got a few okays on that one. Or vice versa, man to female. I want God's perfect plan. Not because it's a little spark takes place or a little like takes happen. That has nothing to do with it. Have you sought God for his will? God's will. That's what we want. So then if it's a superhuman power and he gives it energy, it's effective energy. It's effective energy. God energizes every believer with all power necessary for your spiritual completion. Everybody hear that? Everybody got that? God then energizes every believer with the power necessary for your spiritual completion. God's purpose, then, Brother Branham said, can never be defeated. Nothing can defeat it. So, how happy, we're going into a new year, how happy, I'll just let it soak down here, how happy we should be this morning. Because he's given us now an energy. There's something in us that's not ourselves. It's the God part in us giving us superhuman energy to our spiritual completion. So then he says, how happy are you to be this morning or today? Resting upon this beautiful revelation of the word of the living God living in you. There is neither present nor things that will come. No sickness, no sorrow, no death, no peril, nor nothing will separate you from the purpose of God. Can you say amen? Nothing, saints. No music. And look how Satan has used music in this age. And I, I get, I, and I know the music that I played when I was unsaved and my mom and dad went haywire on me because of that, that didn't match their listening ability. But they had something. It was garbage. And can I say it hasn't changed? In fact, it's weirder than it was when I was a kid. Brother Bram said, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, young people, music will get you every time. What are you listening to? We can sit in church. We can be all nice. But when you're by yourself and you've got your little MP3 player or your little telephone and what are you watching? What are you listening to? But let me tell you something right now. If you are a seed, 
if you are a seed. God has given you a power in you to conquer that thing that's trying to destroy you. And I want to say to you this morning, look around the room. There's evidence. It's not, it might happen. It does happen. God has delivered us. We have been bound by music. Listen, I'll tell you what, Brother Roy, I listen to enough Jamaican uh, tin drums that they play. I was in Trinidad when uh, uh, I was taking some young people's meetings, and they were having themselves uh, a big shindig. I guess you don't call it that in down in Trinidad, but they got those steel drums going, and it's bonging on. I had every tissue paper stuffed in my ear, pillow over my head. And it was, it was already two o'clock in the morning. I phoned down to the lobby. I said, listen, I've got to preach tomorrow. I said, I can't have this music going all night. I said, when does it stop? You know what their answer was? When it stops. When it stops. But it's irritating. It's something that's not even a part of the kingdom of God. And there's something within us that rejects it. So if you haven't got the rejector yet, you haven't been born again yet. Because it will be the God or the energy that's in you that's going to push that out of your life. Nothing can destroy what God has planted. So then if God has given you a seed in you, nothing can destroy that which God has planted in your soul. Nothing. Nothing will destroy that which God has planted. It's the seed of God. It's the purpose of God. And it's the blessing of the Holy Spirit. All powers might wager against it. But you shall prevail. Praise the Lord. I could jump over the pulpit right now. Satan, you are defeated. This seed will prevail. It's an energy of God that worketh in me. It is the purpose of God. It's the purpose of God to see that it prevails. Oh, man. This is wonderful. It is the purpose of God to see that that energy in you prevails against the enemy. Then Brother Brown, it goes out, it's not up to me. It's not up to me. And it's not up to you whether it'll destroy it or not. It's up to God. So he says, rest assured. Rest assured. God will never let his heritage be destroyed. Are we on the same page? What he's basically telling you, the devil can't have you. I've been born of God. I go back to God. I'm a seed of God. And I walk with God. It doesn't matter who it was. Everything that happens, it's for your betterment. Joseph. Let's just take Joseph quickly. And I'm just going to highlight it and then we'll get into it maybe a little later. Joseph was loved of his father. Can I say, you are loved of your father. But his brethren hated him. Why? Because he was spiritual. 
They hated their brother because Joseph was more spiritual. They were jealous of his spirituality. But he was loved of the father. Nevertheless, he was loved of the father. So then he has a dream. And in the dream, we find out that the sheaves bow down before him. Is that true? That's what happened. And so now then, if that is a prophecy, it has to come to pass. So now, because it's a prophecy, we don't know what the rest of the story is unless we read the book. And it's like Michael was when he was a little boy. I'd always catch him reading up in his bedroom. And he'd always read at the end of the book. I said, what are you doing? you got to read the book. No, he says, first I want to find out what happened at the end of the book before I read the book. I said, well, that's pretty good. That's what we need to do. Why don't we read the book? We're going to a wedding supper. Satan gets thrown into a pit. We win. (laughs) Glory. We need to keep thinking about the end of the book. Now, between now what the revelation is and we get there, there's going to be some trials. But it shall not prevail. And it's God's business to make sure it doesn't prevail. Praise the Lord. So it's not you, Sister Shirley. It's God in you. That's going to put that devil under your feet. I don't want to start to preach because I got a lot to go. So help me here. Not preach. Now listen. Joseph was loved of his father. Hated of his brethren. He didn't realize when he got the seven robes or seven color coat that his own brothers are going to put him in a pit. Pit trial, number one. And we all can shake our heads and I've been in a pit, Brother Tom. And then when he thought he was just coming out of his trial and the brothers are helping out of his pit, he's going to go to a deeper trial. Sold to Ishmaelites. Trial. Just a minute. Is it a trial or is it the plan of God? Is it for his better? Because now the prophecy was that his brothers are going to bow. They sure ain't going to bow now. They're selling them to Ishmaelites. So now we don't know the rest of the story until we've read the book. And the book is, he goes and now he's sold to Ponifer. Say, well, that's great. He's a rich man and he gets to be a servant in Ponifer's house. But he doesn't know there's another trial called Ponifer's wife. Say, well, just a second here. It's not for my good here. Who says it isn't? It's for his betterment. Okay? So then he gets accused falsely. How many of you have been accused falsely? How many? I know you don't like to put it way up high. Sure, we've all been accused falsely. And we're put in a prison of circumstance. But he had to be in the prison because there had to be a butler and a baker. Because there had to be an avenue for him to get the Pharaoh. And it couldn't have been the baker or he'd been baking bread still. He had to be with the butler because the butler had an audience with the king. With Pharaoh. So God's got it all worked out even in the trial. Glory! Even in the trial, God's got it worked out. He's got it worked out. He's got his plan It's going to work. And all of a sudden, now Pharaoh has a dream. And then, then then the butler wakes up and says, Hey, there was a fellow in prison that interpreted the dream. And we know the rest of the story. Joseph interprets the dream and he gets to sit on the right hand of Pharaoh. But that's not the end of the story. 
The prophecy was the brothers had the bow. And did they? Was the prison house for his good or for his worse? Was the pit? Look what happened to you this year. Anybody have a trial this year? Huh? But you're here. People have lost loved ones. People have gone through accidents. Satan has tried to destroy them. And yet they're still sitting here. You might as well praise God. Because that's the third part of my message. If God is in your life. And you can look back and see you defeated him here and here and here. There should be a thanksgiving. My God is an awesome God. Hallelujah. He's awesome. He's my God. Amen. So it doesn't matter what situation you are in. You say, well, this can't be for my good. This cannot be. Really? Maybe there's something in us that God needs to get out of us. Let's think a little deeper in, in the God's purpose. Hebrew children. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was given their Babylonian names. But they wouldn't bow to it. They wouldn't have at it. Then when an idol was erected to bow to. They wouldn't do it. Said our God is more than able to deliver us. So they went, well, you know, listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's just a bow. Just a moment of time. And you can go live what you want to do. No, we're unbendable. Can you say amen? I am unbendable. I will not compromise with Laodicea. I will not bow down to their gods. I've got one God. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. One God. Nope. Now because you've rejected it, your trial is going to go seven times hotter. We know that. But I I have a prophet that says, I don't care if it was heated up a million times hotter. <laughs> I thought that, that was a tremendous statement. You say, well, that was just um, evangelistically speaking. No, that's prophet speaking. A million times hotter, they still would have come out of that fire. Why? Because there's one like unto the Son of God in the midst of their trial. Hallelujah. Brother Bram said, no matter if they would have heated that furnace a million times hotter, it would never have destroyed the purpose of God. Why? 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 Because God was going to show the children of Israel a God that can deliver you out of a furnace, can deliver you from Babylon. They were under prophecy. After 70 years, you'll go back. But saints, the weight of it is, it's the greatest superpower on earth. It's the head of gold. And we don't even understand half of that. But they're holding the children of Israel. If God can deliver three, he can deliver a million. It was the purpose of God. God was trying to display to his people. 
that he's greater than anything the devil can throw at you. And I'm just wondering, everybody, any, now I wouldn't even ask our young people, how many have watched Superman, Batman, Superwoman, Wonder Woman, whatever you want, a kind of woman, every kind of bug or beetle that's super. You got the super ant, you got the super whatever. Don't even put up your hand to say, because I, I don't want to know. But I want to tell you, when a prophet said, you are a super church, it's because of the super energy that he's put in you. Why would you identify with a Batman and a Superman when you can be a super bride? Can you say amen, young people? It's pretty super that you can conquer Satan in your everyday Christian life. I'm, you know, it's so wonderful. I love going in and, and people ask me, do you know this singer or do you know this group or do you know that? I don't have a clue who they are. I don't have a clue who the super puck guy is in hockey. I don't even know who's number one on the golf trail. I don't care what they are. I only care what I am in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Because God is going to have a super energized people because of the power of God that is laying in them. Amen. There's something. Can you say here? So here's a quote. I know my Redeemer liveth. There's something in us. It's a fire burning, Roy. No devil going to blow that fire out. No sickness. No nothing. Nothing. Going to blow this fire out. It's the energy of God that worketh. That's why you can't be a lukewarm believer. Oh, hello, everybody. Look at me when I'm preaching at you. Look at me now. Peter said, look on me. Look on me. I'm saying something important right now. Nothing can defeat the purpose of God that's in you. Are you listening to me? This is what the word says. This is what the message says. And don't you let the devil come in your home. I defy him. I defy him. I resist him. I rebuke him. Come on, dad. Stay with me. You're supposed to be a high priest at your home. You get your home in order. You get involved with your children. Oh, boy. That just went. There is nothing more important than what God's given to you in your home. Called your children. Nothing is more important than that outside of the Lord Jesus. If you daddies don't put your children in order, it'll be on your head. We're going to give the devil a real good punch this morning. It's the high priest of the whole that put the house in order. We can talk all spiritual. You live all spiritual to me. As I say to Sister Joy when we come to the church, you hear so much of the message even over this pulpit of brothers that will minister and be quotatious of the message. And you get that in your, in your mind. But that isn't the message as such. That's to help you in the message. That's to encourage you in the faith. That's to build you up. But there's an everyday walk. There is an everyday walk 
called a walk with God. You listen to your, your message. And not just in passing 50 minutes in an automobile. That's good. But that's not it. It's waiting on the Lord Jesus. The lover of your soul. This is called relationship time. Union time. Of the bride of Jesus Christ. The invisible union. If you were engaged to me. If you were engaged to me. And you didn't have time for me. I would dump you. And I say that with all seriousness. And severity. If you say that. You want to marry me and you don't have time for me. You know what? I'll find somebody that has time for me. I'm not talking about you doing making me nice clothes or doing me a sir. I'm talking about being with me. Walking with me. Talking to me. You can't talk to me through an iPad. You cannot talk to me by your entertainments of this life. And parents kill that demon. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. I don't know where the holograms are going to go. I don't know where the AI is going to go. I don't know where all this is going right now. But I know one thing. There's not an artificial intelligence that I serve. I serve the full intelligence. People get enamored by speaking to a little thing like this. Siri, do this. Alexa, do that. Really? They get so enamored out. It can, it can turn on your furnace. It can turn on your lights. Oh, isn't that wonderful? So what? So what? Tomorrow it's obsolete. You spent some money for something obsolete. But I love if you spent that time talking to Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He. The Lord of Lords Supreme throughout eternity. Amen. There's a fire in us, Roy. There's a fire in us. It's burning. It's been lit by God. No breeze will blow it out. No wind of doctrine will blow it out. No, sir. There's no cold spell in the church. This little light of mine. What are you going to do? Let it shine. We don't care how cold it gets. We're going to burn. And if you get too close to me, you might get burned up too. Let's set each one on fire. Nothing's going to blow it out. No indifference from the people. No persecution of the world will blow out the flame of God that's been lit. Now I want to ask you the question. Did God light your fire? Amen. Yes, he did. No persecution of the world will blow it out. For it's God's purpose that his torch light of freedom burn until the coming of the Lord. Everybody, everybody got that? Everybody got that? So, you know, I have a lot of little, young, precious people. That are in the, there's the other part of the church here that don't get recognized. I love them. They're all about this high. Hit this high. That high, they were taller than me. 
this high. And they grab your leg. And they say, God bless you. We love you, Brother Tom. And they're wonderful. They're the other part of the church we don't even recognize half the time. But some of them are sitting here at front. Some are under the pews right now or maybe tomorrow night. But they're a lovely group of, of young people. You know that they are influenced by how much fire the parents have? Daddy yawns, they yawn. Daddy falls asleep, the kids fall asleep. Daddy doesn't come to church, they don't want to come to church. How much do you influence? You influence a lot. How much do you want to influence? We want to influence very much our children to be children of God. This torch light of freedom, it's a torch light of freedom, is burning in you and will burn till the coming of the Lord. So now I'm under prophecy. You say, Brother Tom, you're as a fanatic as you were when you're 21. Praise the Lord. I got a quote for that. They say, you're so energetic. Oh, just a second here. My energetic level is getting low now. But the energy of God doesn't get low. It'll burn on and burn on and burn on. It's a great hour we're living in. It's a great hour we're living in. You say, well, it's a dark hour. Brother Bram says, that's a great hour. Why? We are showing to the devil this bride. Not like Eve in the garden. This bride. She's going to stand. Why? It's the word that God has given us in this day. Makes you what you are today. People say, well, you know, look at your young people. Look how clean they are. Look what they're like. Yep. I, I, when we first got the, uh, rented the Baptist camp up at Mount Baker, first year we showed up, all the brothers were there working, all the sisters were helping and everything's going, and they found out that we believe a prophet. They said, well, we don't know if we want you back, but we'd like to meet your pastor and you uh, in, at your church. I said, absolutely. I'd love to have Brother Ed there. He was, it was a great meeting, and I won't go into the meeting. But he wanted to, they wanted to know doctrine and find out that they don't even know what they know. They said, well, you don't believe in the Trinity. Neither do they. They don't even understand it themselves. So as we went on, went on, I, and I just leaned forward, and his name was Don, Don. I said, Don, let me ask you a question. Let's make it this real simple. Let's make this real simple. I said, did our brothers, was our brothers kind or were they unruly or were they disrespectful at all? Oh, no. Your brothers, when they finished their camp, made our camp look better than it was when you came. I said, okay. I said, how about our sisters? I said, how about our sisters? I said, you know, they don't have halter tops and shorts and run around naked. I said, they're clothed and they're godly. They have long hair. I said, did, did your did your helpers have any problem with our, our ladies? They said, oh, no. We loved what you are. In fact, he said, we just had a Baptist camp in before you. And this girl came with some bikini top and we had to run to the Goodwill and get her a a blouse. I said, that was your Baptist, right? He said, yeah, that wasn't ours. Nope, that wasn't you. I said, how about our children? 
He said, they were respectful. You walked into the cafeteria. You said, we're going to pray. He said, you could hear a pin drop. That's amazing. Takes us 10 minutes to quieten them down. I said, so you didn't have any problem with their children? Oh, I know who you had a problem with then. Our teenagers. Big trouble, right? They're out drinking the night at, at night and threw the wine bottles in the, in the... No, he says, that was the camp before you. Your camp is perfect. I said, that's what we believe. That's what we believe. We believe God sent a prophet and that prophet brings us back to the Bible. People just don't have enough time to research it themselves and say, is it God or is it not God? Look around you. Brothers, sisters, young people. What is it? It's the energy of God that worketh in us. Okay? We've just been an hour. I can't believe we've been an hour. But we'll get there. We only got one service. But I won't carry you out. If you met God, I'm not questioning if you have met God. I'm just saying if you have met God. If you've met God, those are what Brother Bram called sacred sands. And I, I'm sure we couldn't even have the time to have each one of you say, oh, it was at that time. Brother Bram called at that place, was called sacred sands, where you've met God. He said, it was a great hour. It was a great moment. It was a time when God took Job back to his sacred sands. Where he takes every believer in experience onto the backside of the desert. So let me ask you, if those are sacred sands, are those bad times? How many here have been on the backside of a desert? Some brave souls. We've all been in the backside of the desert. Some even times you don't even know how you got there. Everything was going just dandy. It seems like you read your Bible and you listened to a message or so and the glory of God comes in your room. Then other times, it's just dry. I don't understand those times. But I know I'm going to come out of it. That's the wonderful part. It's a time of God molding me. He's not rejecting me. He's just molding me. He's not rejecting you. He's just molding you. These are sacred times, sacred sands. If you ever met God, Brother Bram said, and you talk to him, though fears and things rise, it has nothing to do with it. You know you've met God on those sacred sands. Sacred sands of a relationship with God. Sacred sands. Is what we all need. Every. Brother Brown said. Christ the Mr. God revealed. Every. is who. I'm an every. Believer. Every believer. Has that spot where God met him. 
I don't care if it's at an altar. And people might put down altar calls. I don't put down altar calls. If that one time might help somebody, I say, praise God for it. I don't major on altar calls. But if you have, and God deals with your heart, and you come to an altar, it's no special spot, yet it is a special spot. It's a paradox. But you can meet them on sacred sands of your bed. Sacred sands of your office. Sacred times. It doesn't have a particular spot. It can be anywhere. Every true believer that has that spot where God met him. There isn't one left out. Every believer has it. If the prophet said it. I have to believe that. Brother Tim. It's not a nebulous. I just came to church and I grew up in the church. and I, that is, That's not your sacred sand. Sacred sand is when you met God. A sacred time when he turned your life around. You were going that way and then he turned you back that way. You might not have understood it, but you know it was at that point God did something in your life. Then if those are sacred sands of God, you go back there like Job. If you're going through a dry time, get on those sacred sands. I don't care where it was. You go there. And say, Lord, you met me there. And I need an encounter one more time. I need my fire to get lit of God. He said, there isn't one left out. Every believer has a sacred sense. Every person that's born in the kingdom of God knows the spot. Brother Sam, I've got you on the back sheet of my notes here. Brother Sam comes to church. Doesn't know whether God is going to speak to him or not speak to him. A preacher, Brother Roger Smith, preaches about a shepherd breaking a, a lamb's leg. Is that right, Brother Sam? Eh? Walks out of church. Says, I don't know whether it's for me or not. What happens, Sam? You get a broken leg. Hey, those are sacred sands. A preacher preaches it, and then all of a sudden it manifests. And Brother Sam, you haven't left us since. What year was that? 1979. Take that one, devil. Every believer has one, Mike. Every believer has one, Brother Gill. I got you all written down here. Brother Mike Walner, I got you down here. Everybody has a sacred sand time. And I had the privilege of having Michael stay in my little apartment. Those were sacred sand times. Every believer has one. You, the first was this. Why do you have those sacred sand moments? There's a reason. There's a purpose. Brother Bram said the first thing God wanted to do then is to reveal himself. You say, well, I had a sacred sand time. Well, that's good. But why, why did you have that, David? Why did, when you came to church, why did God get a hold of you? He doesn't get a hold of you just to get a hold of you. He wants to reveal himself to his children. It's not to say that we come to church. It's good to come to church. But that's not the reason we come to church. Millions of people come to church, but they don't know Jesus. What is God trying to do? He's trying to reveal himself to you. 
God, in the greatness of who he is, his greatest desire is not only to energize you and give you a purpose, but that his purpose be fulfilled. God has a purpose that's going to be fulfilled. And he desires a bride. He desires kingship. He desires fellowship. Stay with me now. This might be your right hand turn. God Almighty. Brother Bram said in Christ's Mr. God revealed, paragraph 142. He couldn't do it as a great Jehovah God that covered all space, time, and eternity. Yet it was in God and in his purpose and in his will to have a family. To have a people that love him. That's God has a will. He has a desire. You say, well, does God have a need? He has a need that a people will love him. First thing God wants to do when he puts you on sacred sands, brother Andrew, is to reveal himself. And that is why we go back every day. We just want that revelation to take place. So he couldn't do it as a a great God that filled all time and space. He was a great Jehovah God who covered all time, space, and eternity. He's too great to be revealed to people. Because it would be too mysterious. How could that great being... That never did begin. Now we're starting to blow your mind. Blows my mind. Who never did begin. That after beyond the cycle of hundreds of billions and trillions and trillions of light years or light space. And out into the infinite or into the eternity. A great creature that was all that and still is. Tell me. Tell me. What is our problem? That God is revealed in Jesus Christ. All that God was, he poured into Christ. All that was in Christ. Brother Nathan, he poured into the church. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Billions and trillions of years. And and we, we get all upset. Don't you think God that fills all space and time and eternity, a hundred billion, trillion, trillion? That God is a personal God who met you at a sacred place. If he met you there, he'll meet you again and again and again. Don't run to Hollywood, run to Christ. Don't run to the world, run to Jesus. This is the struggle that's going on. Satan's out to destroy you and God is here to lift you up. I say choose Christ. I'm so sick and tired of people coming to the church. Put on their religious face. Go out and live and get caught. And don't even repent. No godly sorrow. 
And you, oh, and you say, well, we didn't get caught to put you in bondage. It got you caught to expose you that God's concerned about you. No repentance. You know what I'm finding out? No more godly sorrow. No godly sorrow. How you treat brothers. No godly sorrow. Well, they deserve it. Then if you can show me a scripture where Jesus did that, I'll go with you on that. I'll go with you on that when you can have bitterness and hatred amongst one another. If you've got a scripture for it. But I got another scripture that says, turn the other cheek. <laughs> Love him anyway. And he's my brother. But Jesus said, Love your enemies. And I'm not even talking about an enemy. I'm talking about a brother. We need to love one another. Not to tear people down in their folly and distress, but to build them up into the faith. Just think about it now. Just think about it. You got this omnipotent God and we're whining. No other age has God revealed himself like he has in this age. No other age has had the revelation of the word like you've had in this age. It, it, it's mind-boggling. And that's why then Brother Branham said, in, Why cry speak? Grow up. Grow up. Get a walk with God. I can tell you that. And the ministers can help you with that. But it's you that's got to do that. He, this great being, this creature, this creator that was all still is God. What's he wanting to do? Brother Bram goes on to say he loved fatherhood. (laughs) Oh God, he wanted to reveal himself because he loves fatherhood. Then if he loves fatherhood, there must be sons. If he loves fatherhood, there must be daughters. And he loves fatherhood because he wants fellowship. Don't you love to see a family that's tight? A family that is one with each other. Strong, one another. Not trying to avoid one another, but to be with one another. To strengthen one another. That's my heavenly father. He loved fatherhood. Sally, he loves fatherhood. He loves his daughters. He loved fatherhood for he was a father. And the only way he could do it was to become a son. Brother Bram said he loved fatherhood. For he was a father, but the only way he could express it was to become a son, a man. That's the reason Jesus kept saying, son of man. They didn't know what he was talking about, many of them, but now you get it. Glory. That's when I'll get you out of your desk and stand up and put your hands out. They didn't get it, but you get it. I have been born again by the incorruptible word. But he couldn't have fellowship being a great God that's filled all time and space. He had to become a man. A son of man. 
Hallelujah. And he had to let you come on free moral agency. What kind of a father? And, and this is where parents go wrong. They either beat their kid into subjection or they let them run ragged. Where's the middle of the road? Where's the middle of the road? People don't spank children because the government says, I'll tell you another government. I'll tell you another government. It says, spare the rod, you spoil your child. So, well, I'm being a friend of my child and not obeying the word of God. You wonder why you got a bunch of rebellion? I'm not talking about beating them. I'm talking about correction. But no, society says you don't do that no more. Hey, I've got, I've got nephews and nieces. My brother and my sister did not believe in corporal punishment and their kids grew up orangutans. I didn't know I'd get down to family time here, man. He loved fatherhood. So then if he's our father, he had to become then a man, a son, a man. He had to become that. Brother Brown said, do you get it? But now we get it. He had to let man and put man on free moral agency. That means he gives you free choice to fall so that he could be a savior. Fall so that you could be. He didn't surprise. Adam didn't surprise God by falling. But he fell so he could show himself a savior. He wanted to display that which was in him. His attribute of savior. So something had to be lost. And the very thing man fell and became lost. He then became the savior of that. He could not do it as a great Jehovah that covered all space time. See, he couldn't do it. He had to become a man. And he took kinship with man. God became flesh. God became flesh so that he could die for your sin. So that you could become like God. So he became you so you could become him. What love this father hath for me. Hallelujah. God come from God. Or God became from God to become me to take on my sin upon him. That he might make me like him. Glory. And saints, we're not living in Martin Luther's day. Wesley Day. Spurgeon Day. We're not. We're not in Brother Duplessis Day. We're not in that day. We're in another day called the Bride Age Day. Son of Man Age Day. Why? He's revealing himself. Showing who he is in those times of sacred sands. Those are sacred trials. So that you can know who he is. Brother Terry. You've gone through seven years of trial. I say your seven years of plenty are coming. Amen sister. Say you believe it. You believe it. Those are sacred sands. 
You can lose a wife. You can end up in a hospital for seven months. You can do anything. That's not going to thwart the purpose of God. It's only going to increase it. Every time you have a trial, it builds a fire. Are you with me, Balcony? You go through this trial and this trial. All the Satan's doing is put another log on. Put another log on the fire. Keep it burning. Brother Bram said, Job, listen, Job, we know the story of Job. And Job lost finances. He lost all his children. He lost everything. But he did not lose his relationship with God. He went to the place where God met him. That was sacred sand time. And he stayed there until God spoke. That's what we need to do. Stay at a place where God can speak to you. No, but we're running here. We've got to run there. Stay still. Be still and know I am God. Hallelujah. The Bram said after all that. It was just a purging for Job. A purging. He says, like, uh, like the husbandman does a tree. You take off a few branches so that you bring forth more fruit. So when you're going through it, all God is waiting to see more fruit come out of your life. But it hurts so much. Well, I haven't come with you some shears and chopped off your arm yet. But God has a unique way of chopping off excess unbelief. He just has a special way of doing it. And you can't even think of it. He's way past finding out his ways are above our ways. Amen. You might be worked up. You might think you're saved here. That might be true. But let me tell you something. When you're really saved, don't God, don't, he says, when you're really saved, God don't save you here. And lose you there. So then ask yourself the question. Lord am I saved? If you're saved. You can't be lost. He doesn't work like that. If he did. He's not an infinite God. He's defeating his own purpose. He can't do that. If you're saved. You're saved. If you're not. You're not. And if you're saved. You live like you're saved. Hello? If you're saved, and this is where it gets really down squeaky. If you're saved, trash doesn't come out of your mouth. Come on. Nastiness. Bullying. Come on, say with me. I want some parents to say some amens right now. Your little sweetheart ain't so sweet behind your back. Oh boy, that one didn't, I just got some rights on that. Because everybody can do no wrong. Wrong is wrong and right's right. And if you don't tell them it's wrong, who is? Somebody will and then you'll get offended. So there's no win here. So man up. Be a son of God. Tell it like it is. You need a born again experience. He has no grandchildren. He only has children. 
And I know what it is to be a grandfather. We were, I was with the boys this week and I got Tommy and Jack with me and, and I, I you know, I, I, I can see what they're doing to me. They're tearing me apart. Back me up, grandpa. No, back me up, grandpa. No, back me up, grandpa. Uh, isn't that right, grandpa? Don't get me in that trap. I said, I love you both equal. You're both wrong. <laughs> we had a great time. But, you know, being a grandparent, but hey, be a dad. Huh? You're being a little bit more direct. All right, I'll get off that. But we're talking about fatherhood and sonship. So it does, it does blend in there. If you are saved, you will act saved. And let me just, and I don't want to add or take away. You're not going to act. You will live saved. So then if God brings you to those sacred sands, he's revealing himself to you. Taking the mystery out of who God is. So that you could be happy living your life in Christ. Nothing is nicer. Nothing is better. Than having a father speak your name. And there's nothing better than having our heavenly father speak to us. Personally. Personally. And you can say father. You're my father. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus is in you tonight. It's still God manifesting himself in the last days. The son of man is revealing himself in his church. Do we understand who the son of man is? Who is he? Jesus. Jesus Christ is the son of man. So now God is manifesting himself in the last days. Everybody got that? The son of man is revealing himself in the church. But we thought it was a son of man, William Branham, revealing the son of man. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. But God wants to bring you into that kind of fellowship. You won't be a prophet. I won't be a prophet. He's got his place and his call. You have your place and your call as sons and daughters. So now he's telling us our relationship. God manifested himself. The son of man revealing himself in the church. The human flesh. Making himself known. Ask the question again. Do you get it? God down here in his church Making himself the word again. Oh my. <laughs> uh, is that rich? I just want to ask the question. Is that rich? God making himself flesh again. In whose flesh? My flesh. Your flesh. It's the word living again in a people. Because there's a relationship. Fatherhood. Sonship. Fellowship. Hallelujah. It's the son of man living in his church, human flesh, making himself known. Get it. It's God in his church 
making himself again the word, the son of man being revealed in these last days. You have a part in the revealing of the son of man. Say, well, brother Tom, that's really stretched. That's reaching right out there. That's just what I've been reading. You have a part in the revealing of the Son of Man. How important is your everyday life? People, how important is your everyday life? How you act, how you live in your home. How you treat your children. How you treat one another. It's a reflection of who's living on the inside. And if it's the son of man. Or if it's the word himself. Then you need to be acting the word. So when you go through a trial. And you go through your test. It's the purpose of God because he's got a purpose to bring you into fellowship with the Father. I don't know of a son yet that when he is chastised or corrected that doesn't want to run into Father's arms. So everything that happens, all things are for your what? Or you're good or your best. Because it's the heavenly father trying to reveal himself to you. I read an article here about, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Bernard Gilpin. He was a theologian in the time of the early 1700s. And he was being accused of heresy. They were preparing him for the burning of the stake. And one of his stewards said, well, you've got a long travel ahead of you. I'm going to give you a a big robe so that you won't be chilled in night travels. But it turned out that that robe was going to cause him great pain. And he tripped and he broke his leg. So between the time of breaking his leg and one of the fellows that was taking him to get his uh, take him to, uh, I think it was Queen Mary. I think she's Bloody Mary at the time. And she wanted to burn him at the stake. So she sent her forces to pick up the guy. And when he fell down, they said, <laughs> they ridiculed him and said, oh, is that really for your best? Because when I was reading the article, that was his, his key saying all through life. All things are for the best. So he was mocked. At breaking his leg. He said, you telling me that's for your best? And so they had to take him in for his leg to get corrected. He was laid in bed for a few months. And guess who died? <laughs> Queen Mary. Another monarch came to the throne. And guess what? He went home the victor. One would look at the trial. The other one would say, it's victory. So when you start looking at your trial this year, if God gives us another year, I want you to say, no. God's putting me on sacred sands. He wants to talk to me. He wants to speak to me. He loves fatherhood. And I'm a son and daughter of God. And this is for my best. 
Can we just turn then for a moment to Second Corinthians 4 and 5? I'd like to end on Scripture. Are we there? Second Corinthians 4.15. Bible says this, For all things are for... Whose sake? All things are for your sake. That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Another translation says this, For all things are for your sake, so that as God's remarkable undeserved grace reaches... To more and more people. And it increases a thanksgiving to the glory of God. Verse 16. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish yet the inner man is renewed. What? Day by day. day day. For our. What did Paul call it? Light affliction. For our light affliction which is but for a moment. Worketh for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our light affliction, Paul calls it. You know, we always think, well, we've got it worse off than somebody else. Is that true? It's true. I, I, I have to, I have to make a confession. I have to make a confession. When Brother Gary Walker was here and he showed you the pictures of his accident and what he went through, I looked at what little thing I went through. Nothing. I never complain what I went through. There's always somebody that has it a little worse off. Paul even calls it light affliction. Why? It's to your glory. I know it doesn't seem so at the time, but it's to your good. Light affliction. Paul's light affliction that he's referring to here is that he was beaten with rods, stoned, suffered shipwreck three times, a night and a day, been in the deep, Journeys offering in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of countrymen, perils of heathen, perils of city, perils of wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, weariness and painfulness, watching often in hunger and thirst, fastings often in cold and nakedness. But we want to be like Paul. Well, to get to be like Paul, you're going to go through some trials. Trials. Is for your betterment. It's your light affliction. For he goes on to say. Our momentary light distress. In these passing troubles. Is to produce. An eternal weight. Of glory. Beyond measure. In comparison. To a splendor. And endless blessing. God knows what he's doing in your life. 
Rejoice in the goodness of God. And can I end with these scriptures? Musicians, please come. Good times, what are you going to do? Why? It's for your betterment. Bad times, what are you going to do? You're going to praise God. Why? It's for your betterment. Then, saints of God, shall we praise Him in good times? And we shall praise Him in bad times. David writes in the Psalms, Sing unto the Lord. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him that rideth on the heavens by His name, Yah, and rejoice before Him. Verse 32, Sing unto the Lord, ye kingdoms of earth. Sing His praises. When did David write these Psalms? That's a good time thing to ask. Time when he's rejected by his brethren, his own son, and run him out of town. In the wilderness, a prisoner. Wept over Jerusalem as Jesus did. Write these Psalms. You know what he says when he's in a trial? Sing unto the Lord. We're going to end this very positive. I will declare forever. I will sing of the praises of God forever. I will praise Him. O Lord, amongst the people, I will sing praises unto the nations. When? When you're in trial. I will praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises. I will sing a new song unto the Lord. I will praise the Lord. I will praise our God while I have my being. Praise ye the Lord, for it's good to sing unto our God, for it's pleasant. Bring in the harp and rejoice. Saints of God, this next year we don't know what it holds. But we're not going down whimpering and crying. We're going with a purpose. Because there's an energy within us that's driving us to the will of God to prove to Satan this eve will not fall. Our God is an awesome God. Let's stand. Our God is tremendous. He's my best friend. The only true God. If you this morning feel that maybe you're a little bit dry or you're Your experience has just waned. You're going through a deep trial. Maybe the Lord is wanting to speak to you privately. Get you on to a a sacred sand time. That you don't have to run away from it, but run to it and say, Jesus, help me, Lord. I need your guidance. I want to be in your perfect purpose of your will. When I'm in need, I call on the Lord. When I'm in need, just call on the Lord.
want you to invite your whole family up, please. demonstration after Tom's service. I was profoundly affected and uh, excuse me just a moment but I spent yesterday most of the day writing down some notes that have to uh, it was to Marilyn and to Dave and if I understand what was the end of the message, perhaps you can just sit down a moment. Brother Tom was led of the Holy Spirit to say certain things, and I would like to just not add to it, but I'd like to give you a living experience. He was saying, he was saying, he quoted one of my favorite, most profound uh, statements uh, out of the out of Christ is the mystery God revealed. God loved fatherhood. And we will miss it if we just take it to this fatherhood, but a eternal fatherhood. He said <clears throat> he said that's why he had to become a son of man. You are all here because you were believing a message that came by a prophet messenger revealing the son of man. The son of man is Jesus Christ. He has things in his mind and in his plan that we don't understand. You're going to, you're going into a new year. You don't know what's coming. Uh, this is my daughter. This is all in the plan of God. And she lost her husband. I lost my son-in-law. It looked like the end of the world. These three children lost their father. Uh, God had Brother David, who he hasn't had a family. You perhaps don't know that. He hasn't had a family. He wasn't, he, he was brought up in a difficult, the difficulties of life and didn't experience that. You might say, oh, well, that's all them. There's several other people in this congregation who have lost partners, who have lost very, very dear fathers. I lost my mother. Brother Tim lost his wife. Several of you children are here. And you think, well, that was the end of the world. Do you think that this one who loved fatherhood didn't know that? Do you think that this father 
hadn't got something happening. And so I was making a, a lot of notes yesterday, writing, because God is revealing himself, uh, and there's a word called surreptitously, uh, surreptitously or something. It is like in secrecy. And this message had to reveal this God that works in secrecy. And the message goes back to all the way to Abraham. Well, there's no use us talking about that because that's way back there and that's so disjointed from us. But God, in God's mind, secretly, he was bringing your Savior when he called Abraham. He was always looking for people who will believe him. So he comes down and uh, just bear with me a moment. He comes down uh, to Moses at a burning bush. He's trying to find, he, he loves fatherhood. And there's these, his children, he wants to have the children of Israel. Children. He's trying to find somebody to believe him. He said, I've come down. The people have cried. I've heard their crying. And, uh, and, uh, they're under severe bondage. They're his children. He said, I've come down. Go, therefore. He's trying to find somebody that will believe him. And now, here we are. Brother Tom, God bless him. He spoke about the difficulties of life. And we may not see this kind of a God. Who can explain him? He fills all time and space. Do you think that he didn't know these grandchildren wouldn't have a grandfather? He brought a grandfather. He was preparing. Do you think he didn't know that uh, a husband is going to be gone? A father is going to be gone. A mother is going to be gone. A mother and a wife is going to be gone. And and I, that's just this life. There's people sitting here who have grown under the difficulty of not having children. Others having children. Others having children who aren't sitting with you. Not believing the same thing. Do you think this God does not know that? And he's looking for you to believe his word. Looking for somebody to believe his word. And believe for those children, whether they are children or husbands or wives, to believe for them. He sent a message to search out those that will believe the word and say, well, I've never been taught. That has nothing to do with that. This is to believe his word. And now I brought this family up here because I'm connected with it. And I thought if I'll expose anybody, I'll just expose them. And they can, they'll forgive me for it. But you know why father was taken 
so this family could make a family. Brother David, it is to wrap it around and he's to become something special to you. Perhaps all the agonies you went through so that you can make that up and give him what he never had in life. But he'll end up with it. It's a special time. I know it's a special time right now. It's an anniversary. We're not to take the happenings of God and bring them down into our emotional life. And he may feel, uh, and this would not be a correct feeling, he may feel, oh, oh that's them, that's, I understand that, that is in this life. Those are things that we understand in this life. We understand that some lose somebody. We don't need compassion. We need spiritual understanding. And the people of this congregation, we don't need more compassion as such. We need acceptance of the will of God, acceptance of the plan of God. And we don't need to reach out for, we just need to say, Thy will be done. You understand what I mean? And God has tried us to the ultimate limit. And you say, well, I haven't lost any. I haven't lost anybody. That's fine. That's fine. But if you do, if you do say, well, I don't have a father. Or I don't have a mother. I don't have. That's this life. You'll inherit millions more. I can tell you that you'll inherit something that you never knew down here. This is Satan's kingdom. It's not designed, this world is not designed for a believer. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I brought this family up here because it's my family. I feel connected to them. But they have endured. Brother Tom Ray, he's endured plenty. Do you know that he was in a cast up to his hips for 20 months? When he talked about being in a hospital for seven months, that was him. He was in a hospital for seven months. I'm giving you part of the testimony. This is a real life, friends. This isn't just fluff. This isn't we, this isn't a fluffy gospel. This is a gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a real rugged gospel. As a rugged prophet, it's a rugged message. It's not a fluffy message, but it brings out rugged Christians. Amen. And I'm proud of you. 
I'm thankful for you. I'm happy to be identified with you as a brother, as a sister to sisters and a brother to you. We're happy to be amongst you. My wife didn't have a family. I did not have a family. We moved all over the country. We know all about armies and wars and all that patriotism and so on. I'll tell you, friends, we're from another kingdom. We're from another. Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come. I can tell you there's a kingdom that has nothing to do with our rotten politics. And I'm saying it freely and openly. It is corrupt politics. It is not the people. The people are good people. Even our prophet said, a nun doesn't go into the nunnery to be a bad woman. A priest does not go into the priesthood to be, and he was talking about Catholicism, to be a bad person. He goes to be a good person, but the system corrupts them. Presidents and and, uh, prime ministers don't go into office to be bad people. They think they could do good, and they want to be good people and do good things for the people. But the systems corrupt them. A lot of ministers go into the gospel of Jesus Christ, not to be bad, but to be good. But the system will can corrupt them and does corrupt them. I can tell you, we have a school. We have school teachers. They don't do that. They don't do that to be bad people. We have deacons here that are serving this congregation. They don't do that because it's entertaining to them. They don't do that. That's an office that God has established, that God has set up with 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 difficulties and burdens to bear and people bear it freely and I I have you up here because I begin to feel and see God has been dealing with me and I, I'm afraid, I'm sorry for taking these few minutes and I, I apologize to brother Tom This was so burdened on my heart, so burdening. And after hearing this message, I just felt we have to have an understanding of God. And he came and told us a God that fills all time and space. Do you know who he is? We can't figure him out. We can't figure out everything he says. But we're here to believe it. We're here to live it and to prove that he is that God. And if we die, we die believing. And that's the kind of people that's winning now and going to win. And I want to die winning. God bless you. God bless you. It's dripping with blood. This glorious gospel is dripping with blood.
blood of the pioneers and blood of the saints of past ages. But we're living in this life. And there's nothing in this coming year that can overtake you. There's nothing that can defeat you. And what Brother Tom was preaching this morning is exactly the truth. There's nothing... There's no evil thing that can come against the saint of God, whether it be life or death or no family. How do you know that you weren't created and God hasn't allowed what he's allowed so you can create and make a family for someone who didn't have a family and that he can take a position and place in the lives of these people. Now I tell you from out of my heart. God said, this God, this Father, He said, you may not have had, if you leave houses and lands, and mothers and fathers, and God will give you He's not talking just figuratively. He says, I'll give you fathers. I'll give you mothers. I'll give you brothers. I'll give you sisters. I'll give you children. I'll give you family that you never had. Friends, that's the power of this gospel. That's all I wanted to say. God bless you. In the name of Jesus Christ. There are many things that happen we cannot undo. But one thing for certain, the God we serve has got the answers. And it's not often some pipe, pipe dream someplace. It's a reality of God. He comes down. I, let him work in your life. Have control of your life. You think it's costing you something so severe. It's not costing you anything. You're the winner. Yes. You've lost your homes. You've lost. You've been subject. There's families here that are, are are pieces and fragments of families, other families, and divorce cases, and mothers gone, and fathers gone by life or by death. Nothing, nothing can overtake. Nothing can bring down a believer. And when I say it, I say it with all the power that's within me. The believer is the winner. There is nothing in this world that can take a believer. If you believe, all will be well. God bless you, family. I love you. When I'm in need, I call the Lord
upon his name. You want to lift up his name just now? We don't have another service. We might as well praise him now. This is a house of praise and a house of worship. He's a mighty God. And he can deliver in a moment. He is present now. If you need a deliverance this morning, all you have to do is say, Lord, remember me. Was it a bad thing that blind Bartimaeus was bad? It was not bad. He was by the roadside and he called on the son of David. He sees your situation. Just call on the Lord. He is faithful and true. He'll not forget his own. Brother Darren Hoffman, would you come please? Would you come and commit the people to the Lord? We're looking forward to a wonderful evening tomorrow night. Still got a few spots open, I think, for some wonderful songs. There's some families that will be singing. If your family hasn't sung, I'm looking forward to hearing the Wongs. So we hear them once a year, and we see their lives throughout the year. God's put a song, and you want to practice this afternoon. Brother Ryan is going to be here, Brother Ben. And we'll have a wonderful time tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Watch night service. God bless you, Brother Darren. Heavenly Father, we're Lord, we want to thank you for the service today, Lord. We want to thank you for the hour in which we're living in, that we don't serve a dead letter, but a living God, a God who not only speaks to us, but a God that walks with us, a God that's in us, a God that's energizing us to overcome this wicked Laodicean age. Everything we have need of, Father, you have already provided it in your word, Lord. It's just time for us, dear God, to dig in deeper, Lord Jesus. We know things will not always stay the same, Lord. But one day, Lord God, as the prophet said, when the when they council tightens up, Lord Jesus, watch the third pole then. Lord, we want to be ready, Lord Jesus, for that going home time, Lord. We know it's not going to come to us so easily, Lord, but we've got to press in the battle. And we heard about pressing in today, dear God. No matter what we go through, Lord, it's for our good. Lord Jesus, we want to be complainers, Lord. We don't want to be whiners, Father. We want to be mature Christians who take God at His word. No longer, Lord, no matter how long it takes for the promise to come to pass, Lord. For we are the children of Abraham, the children of promise, Lord. So, Father, we've taken Your word, Lord. We continue to hold it, Lord Jesus, in the hand of strong faith, Lord. Father, to go forward in this day, Lord, cutting away all of the lies of the enemy, Lord. With a church invincible, Lord. A victorious church, Father, who's marching onward, a Christian soldier. We so thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. And may we just be faithful, dear God, to lay down our lives each and every day. That Christ within us would be glorified. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for Brother Tom. We pray you'll strengthen him, Lord. We thank you for each one that's here, Father. We just love the family of God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us such a wonderful family. Lord, that we could have fellowship with one another, Lord, around this great word, Lord God, you've given us. Go before us, Lord. Go with the people, Father. Just continue to strengthen us by your word, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Please greet one another with a godly handshake. Until we meet again, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. God be with you.